What happens when the world gets turned on its head? We're forced to look inward, perhaps become fearful, sometimes lash out at others. While there are others in the world who don't give up hope because they believe in people. Join me, Kevin Tibbles and Amy Goldberg, for our new podcast, Believe in People, where we meet those who don't give up hope. Nobody ever said that raising a family is easy, and nurturing children in these trying times is as difficult as ever. But Dr. Carolyn Bozanko is helping families and children in particular to find a pathway through today's minefield and find some hope. Dr. Bozanko, welcome to Believe in People. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you on the show. We are uh, excited to hear, uh, I guess, first, um, describe the work you do with children and their families. Well, I am a psychologist, so I do a lot of my work, especially with the the epidemic, uh, has been around anxiety. And so on the one hand, building parent skills and having them learn about their own heartstrings that can sabotage their children and their children's anxiety and make it worse. Uh, And then on the other hand, working on the kiddos skills and learning how to manage anxiety. That's been a big piece of my work, but um, you know, emotion regulation, self-regulation, behavior management, those are kind of all key pieces of the work that I do with families. Can you describe for us the sort of anxiety that is facing families today as a result of COVID, as a result of our economy, and is it different than families have faced in the past? Yeah, so I I don't like labels per se. For me, anxiety is anxiety is anxiety. So I see lots of kiddos who have phobias, you know, needles. Um, I'm seeing a lot of weather-related anxiety, certainly health-related anxiety since the pandemic. Uh, But it's it's all kind of functions the same. Um, Certainly, there's things like social anxiety that has been true for all of us over the generations. Uh, Certainly, pandemic, we have definitely, like I said, seen more health related, um, even OCD kinds of behaviors, just in terms of health, you know, washing hands and all of those kinds of things. Um, In terms of what's contributing, anxiety has always been here. I mean, we are descendants of anxious people. So that's not ever anything that's going to go away. I always give the example of, you know, the movie, The Croods. It's a Disney movie. If you haven't seen it, or if you have seen it, the dad, um, uh, not Kevin Costner, Nic- Nicholas Cage is the dad. And at the very beginning of the movie, he paints his hand red and he says, if you go outside, you die. And if you go outside at night, you die. And if you do this alone, you die. And he's very anxious. And there's a reason. If he wasn't anxious, they probably would have been eaten, right? And and so our brains are built to be anxious and on the lookout for danger for survival. So we are descendants of anxious people. However, our kiddos of today are definitely far more anxious, far more depressed. We're seeing far more suicidal uh, ideation and challenges than any other generation. And a lot of the stressors are the same. Parents are stressful. School is stressful. 
you know, teachers are stressful. The biggest thing that's unique about this generation is their access to technology. And we have this crisis saturated world and COVID's only amplified that. And they have all of that right at their fingertips. And so they can say, hey, Google, what's happening in the world today? Actually, my husband the other day was talking in his sleep and he said, hey, Google. (laughs) And so we have immediately, we can find out what the weather is, what school shooting is happening, what is happening in the war, anything. And our kids are taking in all of these messages and social media has amplified it as well. They're taking in all of these messages about what beauty is and perfection and trying to live up to these standards. So that I would say is the unique contributor to what's facing our kiddos today. And so Carolyn, you talk about mastering um, the emotions or the anxiety uh, when in some of your workshops. So what's one thing that children can do or, and, and or parents? Yeah, I don't even need to see the kids half the time. If I can just work with the parents and they start changing their response, that's going to make all the difference in the world. Because it's like I said, our own heartstrings, they, they are getting in the way where we don't want our kids to feel disappointed or sad or grief or, you know, or, 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 or we want to make them feel better. We got to know anxiety wants certainty and it wants comfort. And so for parents, if you are giving your kids either of those things, you're actually making their anxiety worse. And so the number one thing that parents need to do is to be able to learn how to respond effectively when anxiety shows up. And so it's being supportive, saying, yeah, sense the anxious. Now that kids are going back to school, maybe it's, yeah, that makes sense. You're nervous. You don't know who your teacher is. You don't know who's going to be in your class. Um, But the confidence piece, but I know you're going to handle it. And so being able to show that confidence and a lot of parents, we're in this trap of, you know, oh, you're climbing too high. Be careful. We're telling our kids to be careful. They're hearing all of these messages where it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. We're reassuring. You're going to have a fantastic teacher and your friends are going to be there. All of these things aren't actually helpful. It's a, yeah, I get you're anxious. That totally makes sense. And tell me how the day goes. It's the confidence piece. That will make all the difference in the world. And so I have parents track what accommodations they're doing. When are you reassuring your kid? When are you doing checking behaviors, like checking under the bed for monsters, for example? So I usually get them to track those and we're going to stop doing those accommodations because the skill, the number one skill that kids need to learn is how to manage uncertainty how to manage the discomfort of being scared, you know, and being nervous. But really that uncertainty is the big thing. I don't know who's going to be in your class. I don't know if there's a monster under your bed. How are you going to handle that? (laughs) And so we know anxiety disorder is directly linked when kids don't know how to manage that uncertainty and that discomfort that anxiety brings. And so that's the skill they need to learn is it's just, to manage it. We can't get rid of it. Any strategies that we implement to try to get rid of anxiety. And and I see parents, you know, they've got essential oils and we do all these breathing techniques and this meditation and none of that actually works. We're not trying to focus on getting rid of anxiety. It's helping our kids manage it. And so we need to allow them to step into that uncertainty and that fear. That's what we need to do. 
Well, except we live in a very competitive world. What do you say to parents who say, Johnny or Jane, you've got to get 101% on your test or Billy's going to beat you. You're not going to go to the best college. You have to be the captain of the team or you're a loser. I mean, we live in North America. This is, seems to me how North America also works. Aren't we sometimes pushing our kids into depression? I mean, we hear so many stories about kids giving up on sports, saying I'm burned out at the age of 10 or what have you. What, what are we supposed to do about that? Yeah. And, and and that's part of the societal problem that we have that's perpetuated by the news and by social media. We've got the shared delusion that you have to have the best grades to get into the best schools, to have the best job, to be happy. And that's simply not true. And so that's where, again, parents are getting caught into this shared delusion and we're putting the pressures on our kiddos. And so, I mean, that's a bigger issue. There's a lot of constant comparison. I mean, there's even chat groups with parents from schools and they're comparing, how did your kiddo do on this test? Like, it's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> uh, we really do need to take a step back. I do a podcast with my husband. Uh, it's a parenting podcast. And one of the episodes was, what's our role in education? And we have a very laid back kind of approach to education where we are here to support you and we're here to step in if we need to, but it's on you. I don't know when homework is. I don't know when you've got a test. I will, you know, um, feel sad and disappointed. You know, if you're stressed, you forgot your assignment and that happens. I have two girls with ADHD. So it happens a lot like, oh no, I've got a test today. I forgot to study or I have an assignment. And, and so it's like, that's a bummer that sucks. So what are you going to do? What did you learn from this situation? And, and that's the number one thing. So it's parents here who need to learn how to manage their discomfort and manage whatever's coming up for them. It's usually their own anxiety that is creating pressure on their kids. You know, inadvertently, maybe if you're worried about your kiddo's social skills, for example, maybe you're asking subtle questions. So who do you hang out with today? Who are you going to go have lunch with today? Who did you talk to? That's creating so much anxiety. So I think first for parents, we need to be self-aware. What's going on for us? <laughs> and how do we manage that first? Um, we are putting way too much pressure. And, and I think, you know, there is a bigger issue just in terms of society and social media and everything that's contributing to that. But I often, like I said, see parents first and do a lot of work with them first before I ever even see the kid. Yeah, you know what, Carolyn, that's a really, that's really interesting because we, we sort of uh, look to children to what's wrong with them or what's going on or I'm, I'm, you know, I don't understand why Billy is this way and Sandy is this way. And so, and I was listening to one of your podcasts with your husband, Andrew Stewart, and it's about all things parenting. What have you learned? Because I've been listening to the two of you chat about your kids. What have you learned through this expressing parenting yourself? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, it's it's 
There's been a few things, like one that we just did um, that's coming up just on what's it like to parent a kiddo with ADHD. It's been really interesting to know that we have even shared assumptions with each other that we're on the same page. So the example that we talked about, um, he, he's like, this is a great example of what ADHD is like. You have an idea in your head and you just sort of move forward and plow with it. Meanwhile, I'm sort of like, what? Our kids got ADHD? What? You want to medicate our kiddo? Um, and so I think the biggest revelation has come in terms of we need to have these conversations. We need to know, even with anxiety, since that's what we're talking about, when I have both parents, it's fantastic when I do, um, one parent is more <gasps> anxious and needing to do everything and making sure their kiddos feel good. Whereas the other parents like laid back. Right. And I say, I think the biggest revelation that's come just from our own parenting podcast and working with other parents is that need for communication. What is important for us? What are our beliefs about education and our role in it or anxiety and resilience and how we build those kinds of things or punishment or, you know, all of those pieces. And so a lot of it is learning that effective communication with even each other. I don't know if that's kind of where you were going with that question, but that's the one thing that sort of came to my mind. Hmm. How do we, how do we put things in context as parents for, and, and, and then somehow allow that to transfer to our kids. Because as you mentioned earlier, everything can be found on the internet. You can Google anything. And it struck me as fascinating when you said that people are more afraid of the weather now than they've ever been. And um, it's like you can get all the information, but there's no one there to put it into any context for you. So you can Google anything if you're a kid. And primarily, you can Google anything that's going to scare the living bejesus out of you. But there isn't anyone there that's going to say, hey, listen, you know, if you do this, or you do that, or you sit back and have a thought about it before you act because you're being pressured into acting, perhaps you'll be able to grow as a person. But th that there seems to be a real gap in our lives as to, all of this information that's being crammed into our heads, and there's no time to think about it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a great point because there's so much magical thinking where our kids fill in the gap. And when we fill in the gap, I talk a lot about this in terms of anxiety. It's usually something fear-based. And with kids and even teens and even young adults, it's usually quite self-centered. So fear-based and something to do with me. Um, and so, you know, just a very simple example is if parents are arguing and, and say, fine, let's have, you know, let's separate or let's get a divorce. Kids, if they don't have information, they don't have that context that you're referring to, they're going to fill in the gaps. Oh, no, if I had just listened to mommy and daddy a little bit more, you know, it's my fault that they're getting divorced. And so context is so important. I think that there's a couple of things from a young age. W one thing that you know, we've always made sure that we've done is a lot of critical thinking, just thinking about the world, paying attention to the world around us, because I think that we just, we're in this fast paced society, we want a quick fix. I mean, I remember once my girls were calling my grandpa, and it was going beep, beep, beep. And they're like, Mom, his phone's broken, something's wrong. And I'm like, that's a busy signal. They'd never heard it before. They don't have commercials, they don't have, you know, everything, if they want to watch and a whole series of a 
show, they can just sit there and binge watch it. I had to wait every week for the next show and then a whole summer for the new series, right? And so our kids don't have that 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 delayed gratification. Just everything is so immediate. And so we need them to learn how to just slow down and be mindful and using those moments to start thinking critically. So as you're walking, you know, just thinking about the world. So why are these leaves falling more than these leaves? Or why do watermelons grow in the ground when, when a lot of other fruit grow on trees? Being able to start establishing those kinds of things. But when it comes to the context related to things, it's a lot of asking questions. I think parents get in and educators and even other mental health professionals uh, get into advice giving and telling. But we need to get our kids meta, meaning we're going to be asking them lots of questions. Well, what do you think about that? Why do you think that we need to go to bed at eight o'clock, right? What's the benefit of that? And so that's filling in the context, asking a lot of questions. That's going to be helpful for us to know how are they viewing the world? You know, even a, a tsunamis, for example, that could be happening on the other side of the world. Well, let's look at that. Let's go look at a globe. Where is that happening? Why do you think there's a tsunami happening there? Where interior North America, do you think that that is, could happen here, being able to get them starting to think and reason on their own versus us telling them all the time is going to be really helpful. And then giving rationales. I think that that's a big piece, too, that's often missing. Why are we having these conversations? You know, even just rules. We're giving kids rules all the time, but we're not telling them the why and the rationale. And, and kids just, they really do need that. And, you know, it's so true because you think about, Carolyn, we're so busy as adults just trying to figure out our days and what's going on and the, and the noise and, the, uh, and navigating all of this information that's coming at us. And then you have children. And so you, you, have a, uh, you also write about or talk about, I wish uh, parents or I wish uh, as a kid um, people knew about this. Uh, I'm, I'm saying it very poorly, but it's, what was it? It was uh, what our kids wish we knew. Can you uh, yeah. sort of speak to that? Yeah. 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 One of the greatest questions that I love asking and, and listeners, if you've got kiddos, if you're a parent, it would be great to do this. I, I love doing rating scales where, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10. Um, and one of the things that I love asking kids is how much do you feel your parents listen to you? And how much do you feel heard and understood? Because as parents, we think I love you. I listen to you. I understand you, a kid too. I understand everything that's, you know, I've had my heart broken and I've had, but the secret is kids feeling like they have been hurt and that they have been understood. And I think that that's a critical piece that's missing. And so kids do oftentimes now, I, I think the things that they want to, well, first of all, I mean, that's an activity for you to do because every child is different. will have their unique things that they want to feel heard and, and listened about. And I think that that's a great way to, you know, boost your relationship with your kids and they start feeling like they're heard and listened to. That's a, 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 a critical foundation for their resilience and well-being. But some of those common things is, I want you to understand how much I'm trying. I really am trying. 
you might think I'm lazy or not trying or a bad kid, but especially those kids who look the most oppositional or defiant, they're usually really hurting and they really are trying. And a lot of the kids that I work with do have anxiety or an ADHD or, or executive functioning deficits. And if they have those challenges, the more they try, the more their brain sabotages them. And so that's the number one thing is for kids to, for they, they wish they felt their parents knew I'm a good kid and I really am trying my best. Um, and, and just, I am stressed. It is hard being a kid. My, my youngest daughter often talks about how hard it is you know, because even things like bullying, that's so different. When when kids were mean, when I was a kid, everybody, A, didn't know about it. Only a few people who were directly involved or knew about it. And it was usually gone the next day. But with social media and technology, it just perpetuates and perpetuates. And so understanding our kids' stressors and everything that they worry about and even competition, you know, that we were talking about earlier. It's not just enough to get good grades, to just be valedictorian, to just volunteer. You have to be perfect in every area of every way. And and that's another piece that, that kids really feel like there is so much stress and they're never reaching that bar. They're never being good enough, even though they're trying. And I think that that's the number one thing is I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest. And I'm just not getting there. Well, isn't it funny? I, I this just popped into my head. But, uh, again, it's a societal question. I mean, what is failure, and why are we so afraid of it? That's a great question. Uh, failure, and actually, it's another thing that we're addressing on on our parenting podcast because failure is actually. I, I want people to say, "Yes, I failed." We don't have that energy around it. A lot of our kids, and especially our anxious kids, do anything to avoid failure, right? They're not even going to try. If they don't feel like they're going to get it perfect the first time, they don't even try. But we need to change that energy. And so one of the things that I talk to parents about and teachers, I do a lot of uh, education, um, like I'm doing PD trainings for the rest of this week. And it's all about, you know, have a mistake of the day wall, You're celebrating not the perfect scores. You're celebrating who made a mistake today and what did you learn from it? Because that's what failure is. It's a learning opportunity. And we're just not looking at that and and embracing it and using that. And so we talk about growth mindset, but we don't actually do growth mindset. And so we need to be able to talk about it and model it and, and show ourselves. So even, you know, at dinner time, being able to talk about, okay, what was your failure of the day? And, and how did you handle it? And what did you learn? Right? Those are the t- ki- kinds of conversations we need to start having because it's through failure where we do learn and grow. And, and there's a lot of research showing, you know, prodigy children, whether it's in math or chess or music or whatever it is, they grow up to be average to low average adults because they stay within their comfort zone. They're not willing to ever, because there's so much pressure, because I'm this prodigy child, to ever do anything that they could fail. And so they never grow and develop to their full potential. It's usually, you know, the the most successful people who don't think about the consequences, but they're like, oh, that, you know, don't do that. Let's go over here and let's try this again. And they're learning from those mistakes. And, and so failure is growth. It's where resilience lives. It's where 
our full potential lives. So we just need to change how we think about it and and our energy around it. And it really, you know, Carolyn, it starts when uh, I remember the time when a friend of mine, were, they were just having children and was the... Um, as they were just giving birth, they were so anxious to get their child into preschool. So they sent letters and they were zooming in on a certain school. And so that's when the anxiety started, even before the child was born. And you can see now the children are older, that they are feeling this anxiety and, and the ADHD. So are we, I know I hear you because parents really need to lean into how they're communicating, but this was like, they were, they were uh, just so anxious about this. How do you then pause and just, and cause you're watching your children suffer. How do you pause and say, wait a minute, I have to, how do I, how do I change the conversation? Like, how do I re-navigate this? Yeah. And, and it's a daily intentional thing that we need to focus on. One, one of the things that I have parents do at the start is to create a list of what are your values? You know, so brainstorm as many as you can, but break it down to three or four. What's the most important values to focus on? And the number one priority, the number one priority that I would say for, for families is connection with your kids. So in any given situation, connection needs to be a priority. So if you're sitting there yelling at your kid, calling them names, lazy, got to pull up their socks, reprimanding, you are disrupting that connection. And so it's being able at the beginning of every day, being able to say, what's my intention today? And whether it's I'm going to focus on this value, kindness, maybe, um, or I'm going to focus on my connection with my child and being intentional and, and being proactive. I always say, get on offense. No, when are your witching hours? Usually everyone's coming home. Now I got to make dinner, right? And so it's that sort of dinner time, witching hours. We're trying to get ready. Maybe that's where you're going to really focus. What's the one thing I can do differently? And so I can't say, you know, I think parents want to just overhaul everything. That's going to be impossible just at this specific time of day. For me, it's bedtime. You know, I want to feel connected with my kiddos at bedtime and that we're feeling full of love and we're ending our day positively. So that's usually where I usually focus a lot of my attention in my family. So for you, it's to think about your own family. What's my intention? One thing I can do differently, even at one specific point in time, that's going to be really important. And then when you go to bed, reflect on how was my day? What got in the way? What could I do a little bit better tomorrow? And so it's bookending our day and, and, and creating that intention from one day to the next, because we all make mistakes. I always tell people like I'm I'm an expert parenting everybody else's kids, but I make mistakes all the time with my own kids. And so it's really setting that intention in the morning. And then what did you learn from it at the end of the day to help you the next day? I think that's that's really the best way to do it because otherwise we get overwhelmed. Oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. Right. And, and it, it just becomes, and then nothing ever changes. So it's just knowing every day, one little thing that I'm going to be doing a little bit differently. Well, I, I don't know if you've just answered what I'm about to ask you, but the pressure on the kids is one thing, pressure on the parent, another thing. And my question to you is, do we always have to feel so guilty as parents all the time? And how do you overcome that? Yeah. Well, I always joke, you know, here's your newborn baby and five pounds of guilt compounded daily for the rest of your life. And so I think it's, 
<laughs> and it's true, right? Thank you very and, much. Yeah, and it's and it, it really is coming back down to what's most important because we get caught up, and and that kind of goes back with my other point is we get caught up in being successful and 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 having the most money and having the best jobs and best relationships and everything else. Uh, and so it's being able, when we focus on our values, it's not about that. It really is about connection. When we're on our deathbed, it's not going to be about how much money's in the bank. We've all heard that, right? It's, it's all about the connections I've built in my life in those relationships. And so it's the same thing here. Now with the guilt piece, we can't get rid of that. So it's a, it's a matter of being able to accept it. And what can I guilt? All emotions tell us something. Right. And that guilt is maybe I haven't been the parent that I wanted to be today. And that's why I like reflecting on what can I do one thing a little bit differently tomorrow. Um, Oh, there was another piece there that I was going to add to all of this. Um, Oh, no, I forgot it. I was talking too much and now it slipped my mind. Don't worry. it's It's not a fail. (laughs) that's good well while you're thinking about that carolyn i want to ask you uh we ask all of our guests um on believe in people um why they themselves believe in people and particularly you because you know you work with professionals so you're trying to educate professionals in the care of uh children and uh their families and then also families and their children so we ask you why do you believe in people I believe in people. It's it's the little moments. Sometimes I get disheartened. I think it's really easy for us to get disheartened sometimes. Uh, but when I, it's, it's the little moments of sometimes you see those really inspirational things online of someone going out of their way to help someone. For me, I get to see sort of daily miracles when I, when I see parents who on the one hand, you know, um, are overly strict and critical of their child, but then come in and with open arms to me and feel bad. So there's the guilt and what can I do? And that's where I see the hope, you know, where people are, I do want to do better for myself to be that parent I want to be and for my kiddo. Um, and this actually ties in. I remember what I was going to say with that last answer. Um, I might cry because I'm a bit of a crybaby, but There's one story about a prominent psychologist who shared a story of having a birthday party for their kiddo. And, you know, kiddo was opening all the presents and there was one really cool toy and all the other kids wanted to play. And the kiddo whose birthday it was ran away. No, 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 it's mine. It's mine. Right. Was in a corner and all of the other kids are there. And the psychologist had all the parents there. And they were all looking at the psychologist, like, what are you going to do, Mr. Parenting expert, you know, with your child? And so that psychologist felt, oh, my, my, you know, I got to show the lesson here. Wow, my kid isn't sharing very well. And so felt that need to fulfill other people's expectations. And so that brings me back to that point that I was trying to say of what's the most important thing. So that psychologist went into the situation thinking, I got to teach my kiddo a lesson and I got to show everybody that sharing is good. But when they saw their child crumpling in the corner, just so sad and so anxious, they realized my my connection with my child and my child feeling safe is the most important thing. Not what the other kids think, not what the other parents think. It's that connection and and my child's feeling heard 
and understood and safe. And, and that's the most important piece. And that psychologist realized this is a really cool toy. My kid has not even had a chance to open it. And I'm telling them to give it to another kid. They haven't even opened it yet. How would I be? You know, if I just got a new car, I wouldn't want all my neighbors to come and drive it. And I haven't even had a chance yet. We want that chance to enjoy it. And so that's where it was kind of bringing it back to what's what's the most important thing in the situation. And that psychologist told the other kiddos, hey, like, let's just let them open it up first, give them a chance. And then, and then we can have returns, you know, when they're ready. And so it's little moments like that, where I do see adults step in, put themselves into their kiddos shoes, and really show that connection and that understanding. And this is tough. This is really hard. But that's where I see, you know, the hope for humanity. And, and for the next generation, when we're seeing those moments of being able to step in, put stuff aside for, for the well-being of the child or the other person. Well, this is a very important time of the year, not just for families, but because we're, we're also at the time of year where we throw in the other, the other unknown of the equation, and that is that it's back to school. And I think it's been just fabulous to be able to share with us at this special and anxious time of year your your words uh, very so uh, very strong words of advice they're not sobering words mm -hmm. of advice i think that they are very genuine words of advice so thank you very much for coming on and speaking with us thanks for having me it's been wonderful well that indeed was a learning experience especially because uh, in many ways i'm kind of relieved to find out that there is no perfect way to be a parent or to be a human or to be anything else. But at the end of the day, as long as you do your best and perhaps you use a bit of your heart, maybe things are going to be okay. Exactly, Kevin. And I mean, it couldn't have come at a, the, the most opportune time with school just starting and the anxiety of school. So hopefully it helps parents kind of reflect on, hmm, maybe I I should pause during the times where I myself am anxious. So I'm going to pass that anxiety on to my kid, but, uh, you know, maybe to think twice. But I love the fact that she talks about the parenting aspect because we do place a lot of stress on our kids. So that was really, uh, really enlightening. And on ourselves. And on ourselves, exactly. Well, if you've liked this podcast and any other ones, please subscribe to our our podcast at Believe in People on YouTube and everywhere else. And we thank you for joining us.